Welcome to another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. And I'm Joe Mullings. And Joe has just returned from coast to coast to coast, coast. to coast. Actually, I, did I, I just needed to go to Southern Cal to cover the whole globe in five days. It was Miami, New York, San Fran, New York, Boston, D.C., and back last night here. How did I not know what? You don't know everything. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, it was pretty cool when I got on the plane, the pre-board. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm in D.C. and the pre-board, they call like 12 names. And uh, I'm like, hold on. So concierge and then platinum. And why are they getting on? And uh, the guy behind me goes, uh, dude, those are all Secret Service heading out of Florida because Trump's coming. Wow. So we had, it was very cool. You hear that, so folks? Go. Your credit card is not better than the Secret Service. So what was really exciting, we haven't gone through the footage yet. It just sort of got dropped off in our lap. But this is Joe's second time going to UMass Amherst to lecture for a course there for young aspiring entrepreneurs. And I think last year's lecture was super successful. I think some of our better footage, so I'm really excited to see 2.0. How'd it go? It went well. So uh, it's the Eisenberg School of Business at UMass Amherst. And uh, as uh, Christina had pointed out, it's the Entrepreneur Program. Charles Johnson uh, always uh, is really, really welcoming to me. So he said, hey, come on back. Let's do this again. So it was uh, Valentine's Day. We got to spend Valentine's Day together, which was fun. Um, it went really well. What a bunch of engaging, committed um, young people who already know they want to be entrepreneurs so early in their career. So, And we talked about, I had some structure to it, but I try and sort of freestyle it as much as possible. And so this uh, professor, how do you know? I mean, how did this all start? Um, Charles and I both sit on the board of MassMedic. Um, oh, so cool. I sit on that uh, large medical device lobbying organization mm-hmm. in Boston. And Charles and I met there and I had presented there a few times. And he said, hey, I run a college course, would you? And mm-hmm. I said, of course. Giving back's important. I think that's really what this is all about is, you know, taking the time out, taking a really long Uber ride out to Amherst from downtown <laughs> Boston. Did you really Uber it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was close to the bill of the New Jersey to Boston no. one. No. It was, uh, yeah, that one was $1,008. You can read my article on it, hint, hint. Mm-hmm. But this one was in a similar neighborhood because he had to sit around for two and a half hours. Damn. But it's it's for the kids. <laughs> well, I mean, I also think that it's an important practice if you believe in what you do to learn how to be in order of it, how to spread that message. I think, you know, especially because a lot of what we do here is sort of theoretical and sort of ideological, um, more than just concrete, you know, math and science, build a machine, things like that. Uh, it's important to be able to structure an, a totally cohesive thought and deliver it to a room full of people. So what are your your tips for for doing that because it's not as easy as it sounds actually. Yeah, you know, it's always the first thing you want to ask is who's your audience? You always want to know who the audience is. And if you can get a sense of what they are looking for potentially and their perspective, because it's easy to go in there and speak from 27 years in the business from that perspective and it goes over everybody's Mm -hmm. head. So whenever, just like when I used to teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the number one thing I told all my instructors 
was adopt the beginner's mindset first because that will really bring you closer to where you should be delivering. And then the other guideline is, is very little talking at. Instead, get the Q&A as quick as possible. Q&A, question and answer, um, short term or, or, or shorthand. Um, but the quicker you can get to Q&A is where you really offer the real value. But I find people avoid Q&A quite honestly because then you really have to own your content. Yeah, and there are a lot feet. of people who yeah. are subject matter and not substance matter experts. Mm -hmm. So I, I jump the Q&A as soon as I can. Yeah, I have to say in my previous life when I was teaching, the hardest thing was remembering that these people don't show up in your class with every cultural reference that you have. You know, it's like you have to kind of uh, erase the entire uh dry erase board and pretend that you're as blank as they are and that maybe all that you've seen are a couple of films or television shows in common, but you know, that we share a certain cultural language, but of course not all. And, and you, it's important to not be presumptuous and not assume that people know always what you're talking about or what your reference points are. And you know, I haven't thought about that consciously, but you're spot on is, you know, I find myself at times using certain sort of terms, colloquialisms, I can say that word, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I always make sure that uh, I'm giving the same baseline or else you you lose the whole message with them. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's tough because everybody there was less than half my age, which is not hard to do these days with where yeah, I am. they're practically half my age. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you're right, you know, you were a, you were a teacher, right? And um, which is my favorite thing to do. So giving that presentation, jumping into Q&A and digging in and then trying to stay authentic to myself without being too irreverent because I am in an institution of higher learning. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, um, I think things are a little more liberal these days and Charles oh, is yeah. super cool. Secret, I curse like a sailor in my classroom. You do? Oh, yeah. Because you know why? Because I look like I'm their age. And, and I think it's, I like this dynamic where I come across as one of them until they fuck up and then I drop the hammer and I make them feel so ashamed and then they never do it again. Uh, that's how I, I was raised by a professor like that. And she, it worked for me, you know, this like deep shame. <laughs> oh, so was that a Catholic school? <laughs> deep shame? <laughs> no, surprisingly, it, it was art school, okay. but <laughs> it really, really worked. Yeah, and, and I try and index the other way because my normal language is loaded, mm -hmm. right? The, the F word is a comma, adjective, verb, now and, mm -hmm. and, and where I grew up literally around the kitchen table being from New York. So my wife told me a while back when I first started doing a lot more public speaking mm -hmm. and I was quote unquote normally myself. Mm -hmm. um, she's like, why? Because it just shocks the whole room. <laughs> and I listened to a couple people that I hold in really high regard um, online in podcasts on YouTube. And whenever they overdo the F-bomb or something like that, they do lose me and I'm as raw as they come. Mm -hmm. So I think if you use it like a sniper as a tool, you're okay. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen other great presenters. You know, I don't, I don't know what your opinion, but a guy like Tony Robbins, right? So I've been working closely on Tony's stuff since '89, which before most people knew who he was, and for a long time, Tony never cursed. Mm -hmm. And now, over the last few years, I've noticed he's been dropping him like a sailor. And I, I'm meaning to corner him and ask him why. What, mm -hmm. What's the difference now? I don't know. Maybe it's to appeal to us wild millennials in our dirty, dirty mouths. You guys actually have the cleanest mouths. I employ a <laughs> bunch of millennials, and I wish I could get them to be a little more raw. Yeah. Because I can see the shock in your face sometimes when I do it. Yeah. Well, like I said, when I was teaching, but it's maybe I maybe I like that look, that like 
Right. You know? The shock factor. Yeah. Maybe right? I liked it. It fed me a little bit and kept me going. But anyway, back to something useful. <laughs> uh, curse whenever you want. Um, I was wondering, when you do these Q&As and you get this feedback, are you ever getting interactions that surprise you or maybe challenge the way you think? And, and have they affected the outcome of, you know, when you walk away from these experiences? Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll give you an exact example because story is always best when you make a point. And, and so I go through a whole bunch of, and the, and the subject of it was guidance on being an entrepreneur. What are the lessons I learned over my three decades in this as being an entrepreneur myself and starting numerous businesses and coaching a large number of entrepreneurs? Um, I think I still to this day, my number one is whoever you choose to spend the rest of your life with is probably the most important decision you'll ever make because it makes or breaks everything, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. It changes the direction and the trajectory of your life. Um, and so they took that and you got some head nods, you know, you got a couple sideway looks at me, not understanding what that means. And I'm like, give it time, you'll get it. Um, you'll either be better or worse because of it. Um, and about five minutes before the end of the presentation, this um, wonderful young lady in the front left seat asks me, because I said, you know, I married the best person that I could ever hope for. Um, and she empowers me and enables me to do all these crazy things that I do. And then she looked at me and she goes, you know, going back to that statement, um, seriously, tell us about the credit you give your wife. Hmm. Oh, and, you know, that quality. was like, That's cool. and we have that on video, so it will be cool. But it was, it was one of those things that it was a square shot between the eyes. Nobody's ever gone in that direction yeah, on me. They it. always look for tactical and strategic. Mm -hmm. And it it was easy because it was true. Mm -hmm. I went into why and how that came about and what the story was and how we both became partners evenly on responsibilities in this world in order to make a holistic move at success. But yeah, you're right. Sometimes things come at you. And now, probably over the next couple of weeks, it may be a pivot point on a lot of content I put out. Yeah. Because it cut deep in a good way. So in our last podcast, if you haven't listened, go back and listen to it. You covered basically what you're going to be talking about in the class and, and some highlights of it. Uh, what hit really well? What What do you think really resonated with the students? So a lot of them don't, you know, haven't even had a, a venture started yet. I even said anybody here ever start their company, I don't care if it was a lemonade stand, you know, a, a, a leave raking business and not a single hand went up. So I was just wondering how many pure entrepreneurs were in that class, by the way, but that's a subject for another day. What did hit is Charles directed me to give them some guidance on if they're interviewing for their first job in an entrepreneurial environment, what's most important. And I said, look, first of all, you have no experience. So don't go in there trying to front like you have any experience. Because the person interviewing you is going to catch you. Because they already know you don't have anything. Your resume's there. Yeah. And we just talked about three things. Coachability, work ethic, and problem solving. And if you can go into an interview and say, look, I have zero experience in making widgets. None. However, what I do have a lot of experience in is I work like an absolute madman or a madwoman. I'm very coachable. And um, I'm great at problem solving. And then you need to provide evidence, right, experience, and then outcomes on things that are proxies to that. Because they're only hiring you for those three mm -hmm. items. And I got a lot of aha moments out of that. And today already, I received one, two, three, four lovely, lovely emails. From students? From students. Wow. Asking me, first of all, thanking me for it, right? 
and but asking me if I could help them look through a job description that they're applying for and how would they interview for it. So I know it hit home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Also, you don't know if one day you might be recruiting these kids because who knows where they're going to end up. You know, as I told Rick, Tricky Rick, that's his name on the road. He's okay. our cameraman. So everybody's got a name who shoots. So Tricky Rick. Rick rhymes with other stuff, so I'm good, to, I'm good with Tricky. I like it. <laughs> Tricky Rick, uh, we were doing a little shooting outside. And, you know, what's true is I do these more so for the sort of the repay, uh, not even the karma train, just mm-hmm. the repay and paying it forward, giving it. And I know it sounds sort of, you know, cliche today to do that. But there's just so much, you know, especially in light of what just happened down here in Parkland, there's so many terrible things in this world that seriously, if you get the chance to give back, and even if it quote unquote costs you, you know, time, money, effort, whatever it is, you need to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And we, quick another quick story. We were on our way there. Mm -hmm. And again, this will hit home for everybody listening right now. We were on our way there and we were trying to get into traffic. The driver was um, trying to cut in and somebody was slowing up next to us and doing that game where they wouldn't let us in, right? We're trying to merge. And like they were going nowhere, going nowhere. And I was flabbergasted because we've all had this feeling because we've done it both ways. We've been the person who didn't let the person in and acted like we weren't looking at them, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we were looking at our cell phone or our radio. Which we shouldn't be, but... <laughs> right, but we were acting like we were doing yeah, something, yeah. so we to- totally weren't embarrassed. Or we were the person who were like, no, please, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And just do that for a moment while you're listening and notice the difference spiritually that takes place in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so a simple move like that in traffic, now do that giving somebody or some people something of value that you've developed over days, weeks, years, decades, and you feel tremendous about that. And that energy doesn't get lost like dust in the wind. It really continues to propagate itself. And then those people feel inclined to pay somebody else. And then the other people feel inclined to pay somebody else. So always, you know, make the right traffic move, let them in or share with what you have because you never give it away because you always keep it. Mm -hmm. And that's really been the journey I've been on for like the last, I don't know, seven or eight years is no matter what, if you got the money, spend it, go share, give, teach, inspire, Mm -hmm. right? And so that was more for me and I told Charles that than it was for the people that maybe walked out of there with some career enhancing moves. Yeah, you know, I I think my favorite part about teaching it actually just happened about a month ago, is writing recommendations for my students. Because it's just, uh, there's this wonderful feeling that you get when you know that they felt like they really learned something, that they grew as a person, and that you would know that and you would be able to reflect on that experience. They they know that you saw them grow. That's an amazing feeling. I I can't think, and it's weird because it's, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a professor, so I don't get paid. This is just purely something I do because I believe in these kids and I, I want them to succeed, you know, more than anything. But but it's a compliment also to me to, to know that we both understood that what happened in that classroom was important for everybody. And that, I love that. I really do. I love that. So I can imagine getting those emails from those kids must have felt really good. Yeah. And after class, all respectful, all mm-hmm. wonderful coming up and even one individual, again, this is not my horn. It's like, dude, out of all the classes I've taken, and I'm a senior, this was probably the most impactful class good. I've had 
in my four years here. Yeah. And so to your point, when you're doing it without looking for anything in return, i.e. a paycheck, yeah, that even makes it more powerful. Yeah, and actually you do get something in return. I think that there's nothing better like the than teaching. Like the tangible is what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you get you get to be relevant and current and and engage in a way that you can't be in any other circumstance. You know, you're you're going to be challenged by people who who haven't really developed that sense of humility yet, who who think it's their purpose in life to challenge things. And so, you know, if you can make it out alive in a room full of like 18 to 22 year olds, you're good. Yeah. And actually you'll see Charles, um, we were, so this will cause you to be driven to watch the long form of this that Ryan will probably get out in the next week or so. Um, I had discussed our interviewing process and how in our interviewing process here at our organization, I'm an absolute bear. I'm unforgiving in it. And it's sort of like Navy SEALs, buds. If you can get through that, then you get hired here, you're good. And I said, look, I am pretty much a prick in the final interview, like straight up. But I announced to you I'm going to do that, and some people break, some people don't. Um, so Charles, who's incredibly clever and is an attorney, um, reversed it on Q&A. So in Q&A, he jumped on it, and he came right at me, and he's like, oh, Joe, so you think you're a tough guy, huh? <laughs> and you can watch the interaction. And it was because he wanted to see if he could crack me because I would see if I can crack people in our final interview. Yeah, yeah. And so it, that was a fun interaction. That's where he turned the tables on me. And I did have a micro flinch. Yeah. I looked at Charles. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, uh, right. You're playing on me, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tough bad guy. Yeah. So, but again, if you know your content, you can never be put off balance. Right. Which I guess, and we brought up this up in so many different contexts, in the context of interviewing. I mean, and I actually think you could probably find a lot of parallels between interviewing and, and delivering a lecture or a speech. Uh, but again, as we brought up with our, our Paul Farmer podcast, you have to be sincere you know, you're Authentic. just, yeah, you're, you're, you're asking for trouble if you posture at all. And, and honestly, I think that that little bit of vulnerability does go a long way when you're speaking in front of a large group of people. Yeah. And again, make sure you're only speaking from an expert's point of view when you talk about content. So when my headhunters put out content, the first thing I say is if you're going to put out content, write an article, put a comment out only Make it from a headhunter's perspective mm -hmm. or whatever your area of expertise is because you're going to get busted when there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of eyes on it. Well, Joe, how was the rest of the trip? So we went to the Verb holiday party at the Computer the museum, the Computer Museum History, which was unbelievable. Uh, museum of Computer History. <laughs> that too. We went there. <laughs> that was awesome. And um, <laughs> Scott always throws a great party. And then um, we had... Uh, Picked up a couple new clients, which is great. Yeah. Visited a couple others. Had uh, a really nice meeting with some VCs up there who were working on a joint collaboration. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Mm -hmm. That's going to be uh, coming relatively soon. Mm -hmm. And I think I put on 15,000 frequent flyer miles. So it's a yeah. st step quicker right. to uh, free tickets to Europe. But all in all, good. But I, I need to rest. Too much plain air and hotel air. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get the flu again, please. No. no. Yeah. It's the weekend. Yeah, you'll, you'll be go good. to the pool and stuff. Because yeah. in case you didn't know, the weather in Florida currently is perfect. Gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. So Gorgeous. I will be also out and about this weekend. Oh, you're spinning tonight. What are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm DJing until four in the morning, which is, like I keep saying it because it's daunting. Uh, I don't, I'll go to bed when I wake up for work. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, you know, I love doing it. So it's great. There you go. It's fun. Not if you're work. in the West Palm area, where are you going to play? What's it? Where is it? Uh, Voltaire on Clematis Street. Pretty new venue. It's cool. They got a sushi bar. And you spin wax like old school records. Yes. Okay. Well, vinyl. 
wax is really old. That's oh, like vine, vaudeville. <laughs> like we don't Purist. we actually avoid sorry. the vaudevilles. <laughs> We're really much more into like disco. Anyway, this has been another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. And I'm Joe Mullings. You all have a fantastic weekend and speak soon.